Open up your Bibles, if you would, to Luke 5. If you're still learning your way around the Bible, there's an Old Testament and a New Testament. The Old Testament uh, starts with the book of Genesis. The New Testament starts with the book of Matthew. So it's Matthew, Mark, Luke. Luke's kind of interesting. He was a physician. He, of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he's the only one that was not Jewish that wrote this account. He also wrote the book of Acts. And so he traveled some with Paul. Um, he has an interesting history, but he, uh, he talked with eyewitnesses. He was alive at the time that Jesus was, you know, was doing the things that he was doing, and he talked to eyewitnesses that were part of that. So in Luke chapter 5, verse 1, I'll read the whole account, and then we'll go down through it together. Luke 5, verse 1 says this, One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out to where it is deeper, and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time their nets were so full of fish that they began to tear. A shout out for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh, Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as, we, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. So here's the thing is to understand this that in this account that's taking place, that Jesus had borrowed Peter's boat, or actually he's going by Simon at that time, had borrowed his boat to fish in it. And when it was done, then he asked him if, if, you know, he told him, he said, look, go out into the water and let down your nets. And so Simon was a fisherman by trade. It's what he did. And so in all likelihood, you know, he came from a family of fishermen. And so it was his business, it's what he knew, and he has this incredible thing happen. You know, and sometimes I think when we read these things, you know, uh, we just think it just kind of happened. It was just one of those things that just kind of God did. But in understanding, you know, we miss out on understanding what God does, and that is he partners with us. He partners with us. He partners with you. He partners with me in the things we want to do. So let's kind of break this down and see what takes place here. In verse 1 through 4, it says, One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great... Great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out to where it's deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. And so in this moment, we see that, you know, again, that, that Jesus had spoken uh, to the people he preached to it, he was using a boat. And the reason why he was able to use that boat is because they had already fished. You say, why were they still there? Well, they were cleaning up their nets, man. They were commercial fishermen. These were commercial nets. And so they would have to clean this up and do this. And so, um, so in that one part, it says, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, no, go, now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Now, God, there are times where the things that we know that we're supposed to do is something that all of us are supposed to do. In other words, that, you know, if you're, if you're married, if you're a husband, then, then guys, he tells us, he tells us to love our, our wives the way Christ loves the church. So it's not unique to me. It's not unique to you. It's a calling for every 
husband that's a Christian that's in the body of Christ, to love our wives the way Christ loves the church. So that's not a specific message. You know, one of the commandments, that, and it still applies to us because it's the law of love, and that is don't bear false witness. In other words, don't lie about somebody. Well, again, that's not unique to any individual. That's for all of us to do. And, and yet there are times when the Lord speaks to you personally, speaks to me personally. I, I fully believe that as all of us are in different seasons of life, and you know, we all do have different seasons, and not all season is the same. I've said this, that every season has its privilege, and every season has its pain. In some seasons, the privilege is huge, man. It's just so enjoyable, and there's a little bit of pain. And in other seasons, it feels like the pain is just so huge, and there's just a little bit of privilege. But all of them are that way. But in every season, because they're different, I believe that the Lord speaks to us, deals with us, that's unique for you, unique for me in that season and the thing that he wants to do in our lives. So Jesus had just got through speaking to the crowd, and then he turned to Simon, and he gave him a specific instruction. You know, one of the questions I would ask you, and don't answer this out loud, just think about it for a minute. What's God speaking to you about right now in this season of your life? It could be about a direction that he wants you to go. It could be about an attitude that you have, or it could be about something that he wants to see change in you. You know, I wrote some notes down here that, that, um, that you know, that with what he does, that what he's saying to you during this season of life is it's specific about this season. You know, I, I think about different times in my life, you know, that, and again, you know my story. I share it because it's my story. It's the only one I have. And so, but I, you know, when I was in my teens and going to college, I was pursuing an education degree. I thought I'm going to be a teacher and a coach. And those are great callings. But God had been dealing with me, you know, off and on just since I was a kid, he'd been dealing with me. And I remember that in that season, he'd, you know, as he dealt with me, I remember I finally came to that point where I chose to obey him. The choice I made was to obey him. It was, and so it required me to change directions. I was no longer going to college to pursue an education degree, to be a teacher. But I began to go to Bible college because, and I didn't know where that was going to take me. I just knew it's what he had for me now. You know, so when it comes to the choices that we make, one of those choices is that we have to choose to obey him. And if you're taking notes, number one is this is that God's direction is often personal. It, it could be about your marriage. It could be about your kids, about your parents. It, it could be about your future. It could be about your past. It could be about a fear that you're hanging on to that he wants you to turn loose of. It could be about a place of insecurity that you were wounded at or, or maybe an area of unforgiveness that you've been hanging on to. Maybe it's an area of pride. It could be so many things, and yet and if there's something specifically that he's speaking to you about. And so, number one is this, is that God's direction is often personal. And so, let's look at number two. Let's keep reading here. It says this in verse five. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. So they'd had that, you know, they'd been fishing all night. Jesus had spoken, and Jesus said, let down your nets. And Simon's reply was, 
we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing, but if you say so. Everybody say, but if you say so. So again, let's put this in context, and that is that again, Simon was, if, you know, in their culture, it probably worked out this way, that if he was a fisherman, it's probably because his father was, it was probably a family business. This is what he had done. He knew this, he knew this business, he knew what it looked like, he knew all of those things, and yet he's being told in this moment by a guy that's not a fisherman what to do. And, and this, you know, and when we begin to realize that God's dealing with us about something, sometimes the reason why we don't respond, now listen to this. Sometimes the reason why we don't respond is because in reality, we don't trust him. Because he's calling us to, to step into the unfamiliar, to let go of what we're used to, to let go of what we've known or the way that we've done it. And so if you're taking notes, number two is this, is that obedience is a matter of trust. It's a matter of trust to do what God's called us to do, that we have to make a decision that, Lord, I'm going to trust you. You know, I know in my own life that there have been things that, that he's led me you know, into or called me to do. And the truth of the matter is, is that, is that I, I knew what the next step was, but I didn't know what the next step after that was. Because when we trust him, we make a decision not just to trust him with this moment, but to trust him with the outcome. You know, one of the hard things about trusting God is not that we don't know what he wants us to do, but we don't know what the outcome of that decision will be. And, and you know, the truth of the matter is, is that sometimes the next thing that happens is not always comfortable. It's not always pleasurable. Sometimes it's painful. Sometimes it's challenging. Sometimes it's in a place of like just, you know, just feeling like I have nothing really to hang on to but Jesus. You know, when we were, uh, you know, in starting the church, we had, we'd been, I'm from here, but we'd been in Clovis for New Mexico for 17 years. And, you know, there was a time I thought we would be there for the rest of our life. And so, we had, you know, we'd done a number of things. It, it had been very challenging for us. Uh, you know, we went through some hardship financially, you know, but eventually uh, we'd gotten to a place where life was pretty even keeled. You know, it was just the struggles. You know, we weren't having to hawk stuff anymore or anything like that to keep our lights on. And so, you know, I thought, hey, well, I think we're going to be here for a long time. But, man, there began to be this unsettling and this uncertainty on the inside of me. Kind of this thing where it's like, you know, um, I, don't, you know, I don't think we're going to be here much longer. So I remember praying about it, talking to the Lord about it. And I knew that our, our time as student ministers was coming to an end and that we were going to be pastoring. And I knew I wanted to go to a place I could give my life to. I didn't want to just be a guy that kind of bounced around. I wanted to go and give my life. And so I asked the Lord, Lord, if you're calling me to do this, I'll do whatever you want me to do. But if I got to pick, I would go back where I grew up at. I go back to the Claremore area in northeastern Oklahoma. I, I love that place. I love the people there. I am one of them. And so if you'll let me, that's what I would want to do. And he was so gracious and allowed me to do it. But I remember before we moved, I remember laying in bed at night. And my wife would just ask me the most ridiculous questions. <laughs> Stupid things like, how are we going to pay our bills? How, how are we going to buy groceries? And I'm like, I boldly and confidently looked at her and go, I don't know. Why don't you just be quiet? I got, I got enough stress on me without having to answer your question. I got enough questions on my own. No, man, they were real legitimate questions, right? And the truth of the matter is, is that I don't think we should be indifferent to those things. We're not supposed to be foolish and put our family in harm's way or jeopardize them and their security and safety. 
But on the other hand, you know, there were, just, there were, some, things that, there were some things I knew, and I, I began to kind of see God's hand moving in some ways, but he didn't show me everything. And I think, you know, a lot of times we begin to make that move. We want to know every answer to everything, but he doesn't do that for us. A lot of times he just shows us the next thing. And so as we trust him and we move into that next thing, then in time we get to see what the thing is after that. But he doesn't always show us the whole picture, does he? You know, a lot of times, man, I mean, it's a step at a time, a picture at a time. And so we have to choose to trust him. Now, I've, been in, I've grown up in church, and again, that's my story. If that's not yours, it's okay. And so I've been in service. I remember there have been areas in my life that I was struggling with, and somebody would preach a message on, and they would say, look, if you're struggling in that area, then, then we want to pray. You know, we, if you want prayer, come up here and we'll pray for you. And so I would come down front. They'd put their hands on me, and they'd pray for me. And I'm not minimizing that, belittling that. Those are great things. They're good. I'm, I'm glad they're available. But I would go away from that place like, okay, well, I'm not going to struggle with that anymore. And guess what? The next day, it showed back up. It show back up. And so, you know, I go to another service, and they talk about that, and I go down front, and they pray for me. And, and this is what I realize after a period of time, is that there is a work that God is doing in me. But there's still a way that I partner in him where I make the decision, and I say, God, today I don't choose that, I choose you. And so trust, obedience, you know, choosing to obey, it takes place when we make a decision to say, I'm going to trust you. You know, Adam and Eve got into trouble the first time they made a decision not to trust the Lord's plan, not to trust what he wanted to do and what he had for them. And the same thing's true in my life. Often when I've made a decision not to trust him and things aren't happening fast enough, or I don't understand why it's working out this way, and I don't understand why this hardship is happening, that in those moments, a lot of times, if I'm not careful, I kind of slip back into what's familiar. And even though it's not what I want, and even though it's not what I believe that God has for me, at least it's comfortable. And sometimes, man, comfortable can be the enemy of God's plan and of his purpose for our life because it's where I want to go back to because I'm familiar with it. Man, trust calls me into the unknown often. To obey him, it takes me to a new place often in my life. I wrote down some things here I want to share with you that, that it's when we say, I've, uh, you know, the obedience is a matter of trust. It's when we say, I've done it my way, now I'll do it your way. Peter said, look, man, I fished all night long and I haven't caught anything, but nevertheless, at your word, I'll do this. You know, the way that, you know, and so let's just get real specific, you know, in the, the relationships in our life. I, I think about marriage that, again, I was raised in home. My parents, they, they were married for 50 years. And so that's an incredible thing, right? And, you know, but the truth of the matter is, even though they were married for 50 years and they loved each other, I, I don't really think that they knew what they knew about marriage is, is that, you know, we get married and we stay together. And, and that's a good thing. I'm not minimizing that or belittling it. You know, thank God for it. It's, it was a gift to me that they did that. But when I got married, I didn't know how to be a husband. I didn't know how to love my wife. I didn't know that I had these insecurities that would show up. And then, you know, that, that sometimes it either caused me to be withdrawn or to snap at her. I didn't know how. And so I got into the marriage, and the things I did in the beginning was I kind of just did my own thing. I, I did what I was used to, what I was familiar with, and then the Lord would deal with me. Hey, don't do that, do this, but, but Lord, this is, this is what I saw. This is what I'm used to. This is what I know. This other way I may be taken advantage of. I may become a doormat. They may just walk over me. And yet he was calling me to the unknown to the place that I would have to trust him if I was going to be the husband that he had called me to be. 
You know, parenting is one of those things. You know, you know nobody teaches us how to parent. And about, the, about the time that you think you got the baby thing figured out, they move into the toddler stage. About the time you think you got that figured out, they move into the pre-K stage. About the time you figure, think that figured out, they move into the elementary age stage. About the time that you figure that worked out, they move into the teenage stage. And, and then, um, you, then you want to move into the kick them out of the house stage. And so, uh, you, know, it's, it, but, you know, it's just one of those things that every season, and you, know, and, and you realize this too, and this is no indictment to our adult kids. My, my kids are adult. They have their own life. They make their own things. And, and I think they probably get it, but they won't get it like they will until their kids grow up. And that is, even, as, even though they're adults, they're, I'm still their dad. I mean, I still think about them. I still want them to be okay. I still sometimes wrestle with not worrying over their life. And so, but, but God's called us to trust him in that. That when we obey, when we do it his way, then sometimes it takes us away from what we've known and how we've done things for what we're comfortable with or what we're familiar with. You know, I, I saw this with my parents that, you know, when I eventually, when I left the house and, and I, in adulthood, and I, you know, they, they were good. They were good parents. But I remember they dealt with regret. They would look back over time and things like, man, I wish we'd have done this better or done that. And I was like, you guys are great parents. And I didn't really understand it until my kids got old. And you kind of begin to rethink things, revisit things. Like, oh, I could have done this better. I could have done that better. And, you know, one of the challenges we have when it comes to parenting our kids is that we're not perfect. We're still growing. We, it's not like we became parents and like, okay, I'm perfect now. No, man, they live with us as we're transitioning from one season to the other. And so we make mistakes sometimes. Sometimes we respond in anger. Sometimes out of insecurity or out of guilt. And I think we lose sight of the fact that one of the great things that God has given us in any relationship, especially in our marriage, especially with our kids, is humility. To be able to approach them and not defend us, not try to justify it, but just to be able to look at them and go, hey, in this area, I'm sorry, I wish I'd have done better. There's something powerful about that. It gets our pride out of the way. And humility, it says that God favors us. So we get out of the way and he gives him an opportunity to have access to their heart because we're not in the way of him working in their life. But to choose to obey, I, I come to that place when I push against every fear, every uncertainty, every insecurity, and I say, I've got all this pressure on me not to do it the way you want me to do. Or I have all these reasons why I don't want to do that, but I'm going to push away from all those. And in this moment, in spite of all of those feelings, I'm going to trust you. And so we choose to trust him. So when we choose to obey, obedience is a matter of trust. And we not only trust in the Lord with decision, but I trust him with the outcome. So let me ask you this question. Don't answer it out loud, but just think about it. What's he been speaking to you about lately? Is it, is it a change in your life? Is it, is it an attitude that you've held on to that's impacted the things that you've done? Is it your anger? Is it your, your pain? Your past? Guilt? What, what's he calling you to, to let go of or, or to say, you know, like you think about with Peter, it wasn't like, with Simon, it wasn't like he, he quit fishing, but he just, his direction came from a different place. He still fished, but this time he did it for Jesus. Sometimes God's dealing with this is not that he wants us to stop doing that. 
He just wants us to do it for him. So we have all these choices in life, and one of the most important choices we have to make on a regular basis is that we have to choose to obey. There's, there's no magic bullet. There's nobody that's going to make us do it. People have come to me and they say, Pastor Rick, I, I'm praying for this person. I'm praying for this individual. I'm just so disappointed in God that they're not changing. I said, well, why are you disappointed in him? He goes, well, I've been praying. That's why I know this. If you're praying for them that God's dealing with them, he's convicting them, he's sending people across their path, he's visiting them in their thoughts, and he's doing everything that he can, but the one thing he won't do is he won't make them do it. They said, well, why not? He doesn't make you, he doesn't make me. And so, but our prayers, you know, give access to their life. And it, it calls upon God to, to, and it's, it's not like he doesn't love them and he's not dealing with it. He certainly is already doing that. But there's just something about partnering with him in that. But at the end of the day, they're just like me and just like you. And that is, at some point, they have to say, I trust you. And they choose to obey. And when we don't obey, it's simply what we are saying is, God, I don't trust you in this. Obedience is a matter of trust. Let's, let's keep going. And, and so in verse 7, he said this and said, that they brought the partners in the other boat and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Think about this for just a minute. You know, again, that Simon, his life was, he was a fisherman. And again, it was probably a family business. It was all that he knew. And on the one hand, you know, he reluctantly obeyed, but he obeyed. But then after he obeyed and he, he saw this great catch of fish, he saw what had taken place in his life as a result of that. But it's amazing that Jesus, as soon as, he, as soon as that happened, then he said to him, hey, look, man, I've called you. You're going to be a fisher of men. And Simon, after that moment of obedience, he left everything that he was familiar with, everything that he knew to move on to God's call for his life. And this is what I know about obedience if you're taking notes. Obedience is preparation for what God has for us. It's preparation for what God has for us. In other words, that when we take that step, that a lot of times on the other side of that step, God's revealing to us what we were created for, what he has next for us. He reveals that to us. That just before this, Simon was a fisherman. It's what he did. It wasn't his hobby. It was his livelihood. It was his occupation. But as he obeyed God on the other side of his obedience, then he got to experience the thing that God had for him, that, that God was revealing to him, like, as noble as this is, that I have more for you on the other side of this, that I've called you to be a fisher of men, to be a follower of me. And he was so impacted by what took place in his life as a result of that surrender and that obedience, that that moment of surrender put him in position when Jesus said, oh, yeah, by the way, I want you to leave this and go to this. Because this is what I know about surrender and trust is that often it takes us away from something and takes us to something else. It causes us to let go of the familiar and embrace the unknown. When, they were, when the children of Israel were getting ready to go into the promised land, it said this, that the Ark of the Covenant 
was going to be carried by the priest. It was going to go in front. And the ark is where God's presence was in the Old Testament. And they said, it's going to go in front because you're going to go to a place that you've never been before. In other words, that because this is unfamiliar to you, especially now, you're going to have to lean upon the leading of the Holy Spirit and let, it, let him take you to that place. And so we have to understand this, that obedience is preparation for what God has for us. I wrote these things down. They really spoke to me. I said this, he teaches us to trust him in the things that matter to us. So in other words, when he dealt with Simon, it was about fishing. It was a thing that mattered to Simon. It was all he knew. So we teach him, teach us to trust him in the things that matter to us so he can trust us with the things that matter to him. So he teaches us to trust him in the things that we really care about. And as we begin to trust him in that, then he, he, he points out other things or takes us to other places and goes, oh, hey, now that you're trusting me here, I want to show this to you. This is what I have you for, and I want you to trust me there. So we learn to trust him there. Then also that trusting him with our things prepares us to trust him with the things he has called us to. So to trust him with my stuff, with my relationships, with my resources, with my attitude, with, with my past, with my future, with my insecurities, with direction, with all of those things. I begin to trust him with those things. Then all of a sudden he begins to reveal to me the, the things that he's called me to do. And so to understand that, to recognize that, what's God calling you to? What's he speaking to you about in this season of your life? That, you know, maybe, maybe you're a teenager. I know he dealt with me when I was in high school. He had a word for me. There's things he specifically dealt with me about. I remember I had one class. I got moved regularly. I wanted, you know, I just, I was in there with a buddy of mine he was the bad kid. I was the good kid. And so um, that's, that's my story anyway. And so, and so I remember, you know, I'd, I'd get moved and that type of thing. And, and yet, I, you know, I'm a Christian. I'm helping lead a Bible club. And I go in this guy's class. And just to be funny, I'm getting moved on a regular basis. And I remember that in that season of life, man, the Lord dealt with me. He spoke to me. Not in an audible voice, but I just knew on the inside that he was dealing with me, that he wanted me to, you know, to be an example. And so I went to him. And I asked him to forgive me. I was 17 years old. I went and I said, hey, man, I'm a Christian. I, you know, I'm not, I don't hide that. And I haven't been an example in your class. And I just want you to know that I'm, I'm sorry. I, I want to do better. And I would love to tell you that he looked at me and goes, praise God, man. I've been waiting for you to do that this whole time. And he just kind of looked at me and goes, okay. I don't think he believed me. And so that even, that was kind of like double dog daring me. I'm like, okay, I'll show you. I'll be the best student you've ever had. And so, but it was, it was that season of life that was unique to me that Jesus dealt with me in that moment. When I was dating, he dealt with me about what he wanted my relationships with the opposite sex to look like. That he wasn't indifferent to that and how I treated young ladies. And whether or not our relationship was going to be pure that it was his plan for me not to have sex with her until we got married. So he dealt with me about those things. That he spoke to me. I mean, it was just, not only did his word say it, but, you know, if, if I was ever, you know, stepped over a line, conviction would set in. That was his word for me in that season of my life. And then we get married, and he speaks to me over and over again about the kind of husband that he's called me to be. And then I became a dad. 
And even as a pastor and as a friend, he speaks to me. He deal, when I say speaks to me, I'm not talking about an audible voice, but he just deals with me. He convicts me on those things. He teaches me to trust him. And as I trust him in the things that matter to me, in my area, then he begins to reveal to me the things that he's called me to, that they prepared me for those moments. And so that's what we're called to do. Do this for me if you would, man. Bow your heads and close your eyes for just a minute. Let's just spend a moment with God and just, you know, if you're in here and you say, so Pastor Rick, you keep saying that God's got a word for me in a season and I don't know what it is. We'll begin to ask him. And I will guarantee that when you discover it, it'll be one of those things where you're like, oh, that was him? Yes. So first of all, find out what it is that he's speaking to you about. Second of all, if you already know that and you just haven't obeyed, you haven't chosen to obey him, ask yourself why. If you're like, I'm not sure, then talk to him about, Lord, why am I struggling to obey you in this area? And again, it always comes down to an area of trust. But why am I hanging on to this? What, why am I not wanting to trust you here? Let him speak to you. So let's just spend a moment with God.